Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanless Podcast. We've had two tournaments in Vienna and North Sultan concluding since we last spoke and we're going to look ahead towards the final, only third, but final Masters tournament of the year, Paris. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Marcus. Hi everyone, uh, I hope you're doing well in these strange times we find ourselves in, but yeah, thanks for having me as always, Michael. It's, um, yeah, looking forward to discussing these tournaments and the final Masters as we are uh, we're sort of rounding off this season's uh, ATP Tour. So starting with the tournaments from last week, the main tournament last week, an ATP 500 tournament, was played in Vienna. Uh, it was the fifth title of the year for Russia's Andrei Rublev, uh, and seventh overall, did it very impressively. Didn't even drop a set on route, um, beating Lorenzo Sanego, uh, the Italian, who the day of recording our last episode, and we gave him very little chance, if any chance, against the world number one, Novak Djokovic, uh, had beaten Djokovic in the quarterfinal 6-2, 6-1. But um, Rublev was the the best man in this match uh, and and went away with the Vienna title. Um, Just before we talk about Senego and and the other performances from this week, I think just massive Rondre Rublev to get a fifth title this year. It's been a really breakthrough year. I know he was on the scene definitely last year, got a couple of titles last year, but I think this has really been a a smashing year for Rublev, who who really just has never never ceased to, to... to play well and to get your fifth title on a year that hasn't actually had a whole lot of tennis is is very impressive. Yeah, not um, not dissimilar to his compatriot Daniil Medvedev's 2019, uh, um, it, it sort of feels like. Obviously, Medvedev had more time to gain some momentum and, and win some more titles going into that US Open at the end back end of last year where he reached the final and lost in five sets to Rafael Nadal. But no, uh, Rublev, completely the uh, the form player on the tour right now, really outstanding form. Um, you know, it doesn't doesn't look like losing anytime soon. And we'll move on to uh, our thoughts for him in, in in Paris this week, a bit little bit later in the pod. But yeah, just an absolutely awesome performance. He's he's ruthless. I love the passion. I love the aggression. Great player to watch, and yeah, um, very lucky that fingers crossed. Um, if you can stay injury free, we're going to be seeing a lot of a lot of him in in the later rounds of the big tournaments <clears throat> in in years to come. Excuse me. But the other players that deserve a lot of credit, there were quite a few shocks in those quarterfinals. Um, obviously, Lorenzo Sonego, the the main one. Um, yeah, only Novak Djokovic's second loss apart from the default of of the year. So yeah, an outstanding result for the Italian. He's moved up to thirty two in the world as a result. But not only did Sonigo get past Djokovic in the quarterfinal, but then Dan Evans in the semi-final, who got past an informed Grigor Dimitrov, who looks uh, close to his best in the quarterfinal. An excellent win for the Brit that in three sets. Uh, so Sonigo to get through that as well just shows he it wasn't it wasn't a flash in the pan against Djokovic. Um, but yeah, Rublev had too much. And another quick mention for Kevin Anderson, who beat Daniil Medvedev to make the semi-final. A massive result for the South African on his. His comeback from injury, you know, he's uh, must be 34, 35 now, so not not the spring chicken he once was. But um, 
yeah, possibly a bit of a late developer there in, in Kevin Anderson making both his Grand Slam finals past the age of 30, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, no match for Rublev. Rublev, the main man in Austria last week and the main man on the tour at the moment. For sure, yeah. Um, and uh, as you say, just that that win for Sonego um, was the bit, although it is Rublev's fifth title, of the year, I think the biggest story of this tournament has to be that that match because I watched this match and it was weird. Djokovic didn't seem like he was injured. Um, he he just wasn't hitting the ball well, and Sonego played a blinder. Uh, and to to beat Djokovic is one thing; to beat Djokovic at the expense of just three games, six two six one, um, was massive. And, and as you went on to say, then got the better of Dan Evans. Uh, who had beaten Grigor Dimitrov, who himself had beaten Stefanos Tsitsipas. So, and that just shows a a very uh, proven run of players there that Senego has has um, got in the way of. And um, Barry, we've got to remember Senego was a lucky loser at the beginning of the week, lost to Alias Bedene in the quarterfinals, um, then went on to beat Dusan Lajevic and, and Herkash as two brilliant wins in themselves before an absolutely annihilating. And uh, Djokovic, I think, very interesting for, for Djokovic. You know, we had a, a chat in the week. Um, he he will be feeling uh, very... Well, whether this loss will actually mean a lot to him or not, I don't know, because I think the O2 coming up, the ATP finals, uh, is potentially a bigger tournament for Djokovic in the sense that uh, he won it, I think, four or five years running uh, and then hasn't won it for about four years now. And he just needs one more title to catch Roger Federer's uh, six titles at the year-ending event. Um, so perhaps just got both eyes on that and, and was not happy to let Vienna go. But but perhaps it's a match that he's not going to be too torn up over. Uh, he's missing Paris this week, taking the rest. Um, so p- presumably... Djokovic is much more focused on that on that tournament in in London. Potentially, yeah, we could be looking back on the ATP Tour finals and say maybe this lost him good. I, I I do wonder had he got to the final or even won Vienna. I, I expected him to play Paris. Not sure about you. Um, it was a little a bit of a surprise to not see him in the draw, but maybe you know he's just either had a little niggle or just took a moment to step back and, and think about how he should best prepare for it and decided after after losing to Sonego that missing out on Paris this week was the was was the best um best solution to how he's feeling at the moment. And should we see him win the ATP for tour finals or just play well and get to the final at least? I think you'd have to say that possibly it was a good thing, you know, that the ATP tour finals is a much bigger tournament than Vienna. So um you know, conserving energy, you know, is a fair enough, fair enough tactic, you'd, you'd have to say. Um, he does go in favourite. I expect him to be a lot better after some of the standard of tennis from the bigger players in the last three years, not to take anything away from the three sort of surprise winners in the last three years, but I don't think it's been up to their best level or anywhere near what they usually turn up with in, in the Grand Slams. Um but yeah, so it, it could it could work in in Djokovic's favour is is what I'm saying, and um, yeah, I, I expect him to be back and fully firing in London. Yeah, interesting. I think London is is going to be very interesting with 
as you say, Djokovic on paper would be favourite, but considering the, the results of the last years, I think not a lottery, but the, the the ATP finals are very often just so open and anyone could win them. I mean, I would never have, I mean, obviously since past one, the tournament last year, but I would never have backed Dominic team at that point to get to the final. Um, a player at that who at that point on a hard court uh, an indoor court had had titles, good titles, but wasn't looking like I, I think he beat Nadal and Djokovic back to back at that tournament, and just I think the the ATP Tour Finals you, you literally could see anything, and um, it will be a very interesting tournament. But of course, we will have uh, fun previewing that in in the weeks to come. Uh, there was one other tournament last week, a smaller tournament, uh, a two fifty caliber tournament of uh, Nur Sultan in Kazakhstan. It was a first career title for Australia's John Millman, who came up in guess the player a few weeks back. And I remember one of the stats being, uh, I've never won a tour title. And I think this maybe surprised us a little bit. So I think we feel this is a little bit overdue. We might have even had this conversation at the time, whether we feel, felt that uh, he would be able to win win it in his, I, I believe he's into his 30s now, John Millman. So um, a, a really impressive uh, week for him to get the title. I think he was about the eighth seed, so was by no means uh, the favourite to win it and had a, a four to seven record uh, in terms of win-loss since the uh, the restart of COVID. So a player that really wasn't an informed player at all coming into this tournament. Um he defeated France's Adrian Manorino, 7-5, 6-1 in the final. Um, the the quarterfinals had happened when we recorded last. Uh, so we, we, we had talked about each of the semi-finalists, but Manorino uh, very impressively beat the, the young Finn, Emil Roussevori, 7-5, 6-2 in the semi-final. So... Two players that had looked really impressive coming into this week. Um, but yeah, a, a really good week for John Millman um, to, to get his first ATP career title. And I think he's a player we, we have talked about in the past as being one of the most exciting to watch. And um, I think hopefully he's at a career high at the moment. I think he's 38 in the world. I think his career high is 31. So um, he, the last couple of years, he has really been on top of his game. Definitely a late developer, if you're talking about it in, in that respect. Um, so, yeah, what, what do you think this could, could mean for John Millman? Do you think, at the age he is, do you think he can use this to take a bit more momentum forward and maybe even try and push for a, a top 30, top 25 place next year? Um, it's, it's hard to say. For me, John Millman is a player that is more at home playing the 250 circuit. I can't see him going anywhere near as deep in a 500 tournament unless the draw opened up really nicely for him. Um, I, I agree with you that, um, yeah, the title did feel a little bit overdue. Um, there'll be a lot of players, his sort of rank or players of lesser rank and probably less ability, we'd say, that have got maybe one or two tour titles um, to which Milwin hadn't before this week. Um, it was a good win against Manorino. It was a... It was an interesting tussle of a match. Not not many uh, blistering winners were fired, but it, it was a tricky tactical battle, and um, Milman managed managed to grind it out and, and and come through in straight sets in the end. Whether he can take this momentum on, he has been poor since lockdown, um, as you mentioned. 
Um, you know, one loss I remember him losing to Misha Zverev in, in Cologne a few weeks ago. So it was it was good for him to get get back some form in this one and obviously beat Francis Tiafo in the semi final, who we both tipped up as our our favourite to win it from the uh, from the quarterfinal and semi final stages. So yeah, it's an, it's an impressive win. Of course, beat young American Tommy Paul on the way, which is quite a good winner player that's had quite a decent year. Um, but whether he'll really kick on, if he does for me, it will be through success of tournaments of a similar stature to Nursultan rather than tournaments higher up. Um, consistently doing well at those would be enough to get you in the top 30. Um, but whether I see him challenging at the bigger tournaments um, would have to be a no. Um, yeah, I think there's... There's better players in the field and younger players and fitter players than John Millman um, on the tour that, that would, would get in his way for those bigger titles that would see him climb, um, maybe push the top 20. But um, getting in the top 30 is, is a realistic ambition. And uh, should he be able to maintain some, some consistency going into next year, then uh, I think he's got a good chance. For sure, yeah. So um, a, a brilliant week for the Australian. Uh, and, and that will pretty much conclude our, our roundup of last week. We're going to move on now in the next part to previewing the, as I said in the introduction, only the third Masters tournament of the year, but weirdly the last. So uh, we will be back with that. So, uh, just looking ahead to the Paris Masters, uh, indoor Masters tournament, uh, always one of the concluding, I think, no, always the, the last Masters tournament uh, after the Shanghai Masters. But obviously, this year's schedule has been a little bit uh, confusing, but it, as always, is the last Masters tournament. Um, so, yeah, uh, Djokovic, as we mentioned, is not playing this week. Uh, Federer, of course, is still injured now for the rest of the year. So Nadal is leading the pack at the top of the draw with Stefanos Tsitsipas as the second seed. Uh, and also the very inform Andre Rublev is there, the inform Alexander Zverev, uh, who has won two back to back titles before last week. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a very strong lineup at uh, Paris and, and could be a really interesting tournament Marcus and I are just going to run through our quarterfinal predictions um, but actually before we do that we'll just uh, look because there were some matches yesterday um, just pick out a couple of results from them because uh, the big result was uh, a, a big upset and I know Marcus was annoyed at this one uh, having Karen Hatchinoff to make the final in the bottom half of the draw uh, half of the draw that could be seen as, as very open with quite a few players that are probably not as informed as players in the top half of the draw. Um, Hatchinoff went out in three sets to who we call ADF, uh, Alejandro Davidovich Fakina, the Spaniard, the young Spaniard, 21 years of age, uh, winning that in three sets. Uh, this was not a result I was expecting. I had Hatchinoff to make the quarterfinal, and I must say, uh, I did have Hatchinoff to make the final as well, and I changed my prediction quite late on, and I'm very pleased I did. Um, but Davidovich Fakina in, in really good form of recent. He impressed us at the US Open. He's impressed us since then as well. Um, but I think this win could possibly be the best one for him since the restart on, on a Masters Series level, beating Karen Hatchinoff, who 
is possibly a former Masters 1000 finalist. Uh, Marcus is nodding at me, so um, I'm going to let him come in on that because I've forgotten exactly where it was. It was right here in Paris. I mean, we're not in Paris, but this was where Karen Hutchinov got his maiden and only um, Masters 1000 title. He beat Novak Djokovic in the final. Um, hence, possibly a little bit um, of reasoning behind my punt of him to get to the final in this uh, this tournament. But yeah, out first round to ADF, who played a blinder, I have to say. Um, looking at the draw, I did I did see this as a potential banana skin, the qualifier. Um, but for Hatchinov to come through, he got past this match. He had a nice quarter of the draw, draw for me. Um, just a little spoiler, we both have Stefanos Tsitsipas to go out in, in his first round to Ugo and Bear. So that bottom half of the draw really opened up, um, in my opinion, for Hatchinov. Was he able to get through this match? You know, his second round match would have been against Bonzi, who beat Federico Correa in the first round of qualifier versus a wild card. So it would have been a nice little um, first couple of games into the tournament. And um, so, yeah, obviously I was very disappointed, but you have to take take it on the chin. And it's an excellent performance from ADF, another exciting young player that's definitely been one of the players to burst onto the scene post-lockdown. Um, you know, I, I, I said in, in a previous episode that I doubted his ability on a hard court having had some of his early successes on the Met, in the men's tour on a clay call, but he's proven that he's here to stay. And yeah, I think we spoke about him pushing top 50 by the end of the year. Should he, should he get um, any deeper in this tournament? Then I'm, I'm, I'm sure he will be. Um, just another match to um, throw up was Marin Cilic um, got through against Felix Auger-Aliassime in three sets. Felix has had a, a busy schedule in the last few weeks and um, has thrown in some disappointing losses including one to Vasek Pospisil last week after making um, the, the final and then the semi-final in the back-to-back Cologne tournament. So a little bit of disappointment for Felix, but a good, good to see Marin Cilic getting, getting that win. Um, you know, a player that's really struggled in the last year or so and a player that we know has has the raw ability to to be competing for, for events like this. So um, it was good to see Cilic get the win. It was a little bit, little bit of a shock. Um, but yeah, kudos to Chilich. Hopefully, hopefully he can kick on and take some momentum into next year after this win. Yeah, fantastic win for Chilich, who is one of those players. Um, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, it's very much sort of like a Ravrinka, but maybe to a lesser, very extreme. Because uh, obviously Ravrinka winning those three titles, but Chilich is the sort of player who can, if he just turns it on. Uh, can, can beat anyone on his day and I think he probably still has got that in his locker maybe not for as many tournaments as as he used to and, and there's some big tournaments but I'm sure we'll still see uh, a little bit to come from Marin Cilic and that was a, a brilliant win for him yesterday um, just quickly on Karen Haran Hatchinoff um, yeah I've had, that had slipped my mind winning that title uh, two years ago in 2018 at Paris but I'm just I've got up his Masters record uh, here. It's it's actually a bizarre record across all of the Masters. He's obviously won that one in Paris. He's made two other semi-finals, both at the uh, Canadian Open, the Rogers Cup. Other than that, he he actually goes out in the first and second rounds of m- over half of the Masters. He's he's actually got a really poor Masters record if you take out that. Uh, Paris win, which 
does surprise me a little bit because he is a player that we do really like. Um, just for example, he's played Paris four times. He's gone out in the first round twice now, the second round once, and then won at the other time. So, um, yeah, really a, a case of just, I think, when Karen Hatchinoff can turn it on, but, but just got to work on consistency a little bit. Um, those two players we were talking about, um, I, I know you said Davidovich Fakina will play uh, the wildcard Bonzi, so um, a match you'd expect ADF to win. Uh, and then potential third round against Schwartzman. And, uh, and then Chilich will play France's Mute in the second round, which could be quite a close match, I reckon. Uh, but you possibly make Chilich favourite for it. Okay, so we'll just uh, look at our quarterfinal predictions. Um, so I'll go down the draw, and then Marcus can compare his differences. Uh, the first quarterfinal, I have got the number one seed, Rafa Nadal, to face the number eight seed, David Goffin. So I haven't got any particular upsets in, in that quarter of the draw. Uh, likewise, uh, the same in the next quarter of the door. I've gone for the seeds uh, and both very in form. Uh, Alexander Zverev to meet Andre Rublev in the quarterfinal. Uh, then in the second quarterfinal, uh, the all-Russian affair of Karen Hatchinoff, Daniel Medvedev. But we all know that Karen Hatchinoff will not be there now. Uh, so that opens the draw up very nicely for Diego Schwartzman who is uh, the sixth seed anyway, so was seeded to get to the quarterfinals. And uh, looking at that draw, despite a, a potential challenge from ADF, if he can really keep that level up, I think Schwartzman definitely becomes favourite to get to that quarterfinal where he'll probably play Medvedev, if we're correct. And then uh, in the second quarterfinal, I've got Milos Reinic against Ugo Umber. Uh, Umber winning that European Open uh, two weeks ago. Having some brilliant wins there and um, looking really good throughout the tournament. We have both got, as Marcus said, uh, to Umber to beat Sitsipas in the second round. But then, very interestingly, Umber struggled a lot in his first round match yesterday, having to go to a third set tiebreak to beat Casper Ruud, who is a player you'd favour much more on a clay court than a, than a hard court on an indoor. So perhaps Sitsipas really should be winning that. Um, so that could be an interesting quarter as well. But I'll, I'll pass the mic over to Marcus. Yeah, so we, we had the exact same four um, quarterfinals. So not too, not, not very interesting there. I'd just like to say about David Goffin. I've got him to the final more because I couldn't find a player that I thought would beat him rather than me definitely saying that he should make the last eight. Um, been okay since lockdown. Lost to Marcus Giron a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if if there was an unknown player make that quarterfinal to face Nadal. But I have gone with David Goffin all the same. And, yeah, interestingly, I've got uh, Milos Raonic to beat Ugo Bear in the quarterfinal and make the semifinal, where I feel that you have uh, Ugo Bear to make the semifinal. So should that match take place, could be quite interesting later on in the week. Um, but, yeah, just to give my Paris... Masters 1000 winner. I've gone for Andre Rublev to win his first title at the level. Uh, the form player on the tour for me at the moment is one, yeah, the last two 500 tournaments in St. Petersburg and Vienna. Tiredness might be a little bit of an issue. Maybe we'll see some players put on the burners and conserve energy for the ATP Tour finals here, like 
uh, Zverev, Adam Rublev, and maybe even Nadal, Medvedev. Um, but yeah, I've come for Rublev. I just can't see anyone standing his way on the mo- at the moment, particularly on a hard court. Um, so yeah, I did have Hatchinov to reach the final. Obviously, that's not going to happen. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Rublev face maybe Daniil Medvedev in the final. Um, I think that could be quite an interesting match. Um, so yeah, it's on Joe Rublev for me. And uh, yeah, got the same quarterfinals as you. Yeah, uh, as you touched upon that that big quarterfinal difference between Ryan Itchen and Bear, and uh, if I go on to my winner, the uh, the other big quarterfinal difference is in the Zverev Rublev quarterfinal. I have gone for Alexander Zverev to win that. Uh, like you touched upon, I've I've gone for that mainly because of tiredness, but um, I, I really do see where you're coming from with, with Rublev, of course, being the informed player of the tour. Uh, and that potentially could be seen as favourite in that match. But um, Zverev, I don't know, did really impress me in the back-to-back tournaments in Cologne after losing that uh, final in uh, the well, the US Open and then having that loss to Sinner in the French Open. Uh, and I, I do think this draw is nicely opened up. Perhaps the two of us are being silly to overlook Rafael Nadal, but um, it is a Masters tournament that Nadal has never won. I think just one of two that he hasn't won, or it might be the only one that he hasn't won. I'd have to check that. Um, but uh, Rafa, in my eyes, even though he's number one seed, maybe a dangerous thing to say, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure if he's favourite in this one. Uh, a potential semi-final against Zverev or Rublev could be really tough. And then, and then going into the final, uh, I have got Medvedev to make the final. Uh, so... I had Medvedev to beat Hatchinoff in that quarterfinal, whereas Marcus obviously had Hatchinoff. So that has given me the advantage in, in terms of how this tournament's going to go, which I need because an update on our predicting uh, predicted tournament. I won the, the two points the week before and I closed the gap back down to three, but Marcus uh, completely quashed all of that work last week and I think has gone back to a, I think it's a five-point lead or a four-point lead. Um and three points up for grabs in our little tournament on a Masters tournament. So it could be a, a really good opportunity for me to get the, the gap down to one going into 2021 as we agreed uh, to, to run the two years together because of the reduced uh, schedule this year, which has benefited me perhaps a little bit. Uh, but yeah. Um, okay, so that pretty much concludes the Paris uh previewing uh just one thing to mention before we go on to guess the player uh is looking at that atp tour finals uh obviously the top eight have to qualify uh this is the system for this has now changed a little bit it's also counting points from last year because of the reduced schedule this year so as it stands uh the top six in the world, uh, so that is uh, excluding Federer because he's injured. So that's uh, Djokovic, Nadal, Zverev, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, and team uh, are all have all qualified for the tournament. Uh, if I just uh, and uh, so the uh, last two in Andre Rublev and Diego Schwartzman. Uh, are in 7th and 8th, but uh, they still have a little bit to play for at this Paris event, as Berrettini, who's sitting in ninth, who perhaps a little bit 
fortunate to be in the the battle to get into London, seeming as he has had been quite poor this year and has really benefited from the points that he won last year. And he obviously qualified last year for this tournament. Um, but he, he, he could uh, qualify if uh, Rublev and Schwartzman, if one of them goes out very early and Berrettini has a, a very deep run into Paris, which I think both Marcus and I would probably agree is not the most likely thing, although uh, his compatriot Lorenzo Senego made us look a little bit stupid uh, in, in ruling anything out the other week. But um, important to mention that uh, at this tournament, Rublev and Schwarzman are still fighting for their places at the ATP Tour Finals, which could be another incentive uh, for Rublev to, to go on and win the tournament and, and help Marcus's prediction. But that is the situation going into the O2. Uh, if Berrettini doesn't go deep in this tournament, uh, the final eight will be those six that I mentioned, including uh, on, uh, with the additions of Andre Rublev and Diego Schwartzman. Uh, so we're going to move on to guess the player now. Uh, this week, Marcus is asking me after I gave Marcus uh, Joe Wilfred Songer last week. Um, so, yeah, take it away. So, to kick off the first clue, this player, a little bit younger than Joe Wilfred Songer, maybe four or five years on the great Frenchman. This player is of the age 30. Yeah, believe Songa's 35, I think, so five years younger. At uh, the age of 30, um, we'll go for... Um, Pablo Carreño Buster. Not a bad guess, but uh, it's not Pablo Carreño Buster. Um, I've got two in one for the second clue. This man's career high ranking is 21, and he's also won four ATP titles. Okay. Good player, then. Um, With four titles, you'd think potentially they have the ability to go higher than a career high of 21. But then if they are 30, those four titles could be extending over quite a long period of time. Um, I think Gilles Simon is older than yeah Gilles Simon's surely older than 30 and may, maybe even has more titles than four so I won't go for him he's, and he, he's probably been top 20 as well um, Gilles Simon's been top 10 I'm pretty sure so yeah, it's not yeah you're right actually yeah I've kind of realised that after I said that Gilles Simon I think has been 10th in the world I think that's his career high um, I think he's been a I don't think he's ever played at the O2 but I'm sure he's been yeah I think he might have come in at the O2 one year might be wrong cut that out if I am wrong um, right anyway 21 career high four titles Again, I think he's probably a bit older. We could go for Jeremy Shardy. 
No, I think he's I think he's quite a few years older than that, but it's not a bad guess, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he's older. Um the third clue is this guy's currently ranked seventy one in the world, so not particularly high, or maybe not as high as you'd expect considering the previous two clues. However, in the year to date rankings, this isn't this is just uh twenty twenty, so not in according to flash scores, not in not in, in <laughs> points from last year. This man's year to date ranking is thirty. Okay. Someone who's had quite a good year then, potentially then, one or two of those titles, probably just one, possibly coming this year. So title winner this year. Um seventy one in the world though, so it's quite a bit lower than where he has been. Uh, Mikhail Kukushkin. That's another good guess. I'm pretty sure Kukushkin's a little bit lower in the rankings. I think, yeah, I think it could be in the 90s, actually. Fourth clue is that, well, this might not make it that obvious, but this player is American. Okay. That does help. I think I might have it. I think I've got it. Um, Four titles, yeah, because he won... Two or three times he won the grass court tournament in America. Uh, I can't remember what that's called. Uh, 30 years old. I feel like I would have guessed that he was a little bit older. But possibly not. Yeah, he has been as high as 21. Yeah, I, I, I think it's Steve Johnson. Correct. Well done, yeah. Steve Johnson. Well played, yeah. There's a lot of Americans to pick from and you've you've gone with the right one. Yeah, Steve Johnson. Um, my last clue was a little vague still. I just had that he lost to Marin Cilic at the second tournament in Cologne. That's his most recent result. But yeah, Steve Johnson, I was surprised that he that, that is a horrible last clue to have. Yeah, well, I, I didn't want to make it. <laughs> um, but yeah, four titles surprised me for Steve Johnson. Um, very impressive. Yeah, he won um, that... Is it the Hall of Fame Championships, they call it? It's the one grass court tournament they have in America. But they don't play it in the grass court season, I think. I think it appears Newport. randomly. So, yeah, Newport. That's it, Newport. Um, and I'm sure he's won that at least two times. Could be three times. So I think that's where at least half of his titles come from. Fair play. All right, you'll guess the player um, to enjoy. And uh, your thought for the day until we till we meet again towards the end of the week is is Steve Johnson. Yeah, um, a, a player who uh, got to twenty one in the rankings. Probably trying to think how long ago that was. He was probably about twenty five, twenty six. I know he had um, he had some off court issues. I know he came out about um, struggling mentally off court after. Um, he lost his father, who I believe was his coach as well at one point. Um, so a sad story there, but good to see him playing good tennis again. 30 years old, you think, still got a good, good few years in the tank. Um, so hopefully he can uh, use that, that year-to-date form and, and once the rankings sort of go back to normal, because hopefully, for his sake, climb up the, the rankings quite a bit again. So uh, that pretty much concludes the episode. Obviously, Paris uh, being the big tennis event of the week and the last uh, circuit tournament. Um, I don't know if that's the right word. Non-invitational tournament of the year. Oh, no, it's not. We've got uh, Sofia 
next year, or Sofia, sorry, from uh, Bulgaria. That's been rescheduled. That uh, is next week, I beg your pardon. Um, so, yeah, that's going to come in between Paris and the O2, which kind of feels a little bit out of place. But uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that in the episodes to come. And then, of course, uh, the O2 before uh, rounding off this very strange year. Um, Marcus, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks. It's been, been good fun. We've got very different predictions coming in um, to the latter exchanges of the tournament this week. So, yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing how it pans out. Thanks for listening. Could be very interesting. Uh, so, yeah, enjoy Paris. And most importantly, stay safe in these uh, weird times that we're going into uh, on Thursday. So, uh, yeah, stay safe and enjoy the tennis. They took the tennis away from us in the first lockdown but uh we're not getting it this time around so you can enjoy watching it in your homes see you later